This is an RNZ podcast. Up to nearly $9,000 a week for some high-paying jobs being done by contractors. About a quarter of this $40 million transmission uh, money that's been set aside to combine RNZ and TVNZ into one entity is going on contractors. That was Guy Nespina on Morning Report last Tuesday telling listeners about hefty rates of pay pocketed by some people working on the transition of RNZ and TVNZ into the new public media entity planned by the government, though not the transmission of either broadcaster, as Guyan's small slip of the tongue said there. It was RNZ's reporter Phil Pennington who'd been following the money, which he pointed out was coming not from either broadcaster, but from the coffers of the Ministry for Culture and Heritage, which oversees the government's strong public media programme, the cornerstone of which is that new public media entity. It is Ministry of Cultural and Heritage money, uh, so it's not being spent through RNZ or TVNZ. It's the transition process itself. So it's in July next year that the entity, the, the merge thing, gets its government funding of about $370 million, uh, for three years. But this is $40 million to set it all up, making public media bigger and joining it up. But others in the media don't want bigger joined-up public media, regardless of the cost, as we'll hear. Now, last month, Phil Pennington, using the Official Information Act, reported that the Ministry for Culture and Heritage expected to spend around $6 million hiring contractors, on top of $5 million paid to the consultancy firm Deloitte, out of that $38.3 million budgeted for the entire transition. Now, those contractors are, of course, only employed for a short term, though, and the Ministry told RNZ this week the pay packets were in line with government procurement guidelines. Nevertheless, those sums struck a chord with the Herald. Consultants cash in. $6,000 a week paid out to each contractor in the RNZ-TVNZ merger. Now, that wasn't quite right. Phil's story clearly said $6,000 was the average weekly sum and most contracts were worth between five and 6000 a week. But TVNZ's One News that night also reckoned those rates were newsworthy, along with this. Contractor roles are paying around $6,000 a week. National slammed the spend, saying hard-working Kiwis' taxes are going straight into the back pockets of consultants. When in opposition, Labour called similarly high salaries for consultants a disgrace. Rival media organisations, though, have not been shy in asking questions or airing concerns and criticisms of the plan or their own opinions. Barry, when you see what what the consultants are getting paid for the TVNZ RNZ merger, do you think you picked the wrong job? (laughs) That's easy (laughs) money, isn't it? Was News Talk ZB's political editor Barry Soper there who went on to tell Heather Duplessis on this on the ZB Drive show last Tuesday. Make no mistake of what this is about, Heather. It's driven by the likes of Willie Jackson, started by Chris Farfoy, a former TVNZ journo, now uh, driven by Willie Jackson. It's about getting more mouldy on television, and you'll see the face of TVNZ will change as a result of it. Now, the Broadcasting and Media Minister Willie Jackson, also the Minister overseeing Māori Media, has said in the past he wants to see the new public media entity feature more Māori content and journalism, but there is more to the plan than just making TVNZ's output more Māori, as Barry Soper put it there on News Talk ZB. The funding and the structure could give New Zealanders at least the possibility of something more like the joined-up multimedia public service platforms that people have in Ireland, Australia, the UK and other countries.
Barry Soper and Heather Duplessis-Allen's employer NZME opposes the creation of Aotearoa New Zealand Public Media and another outfit concerned about the impact on its members is the umbrella group representing programme makers and production companies, the Screen Production and Development Association, or SPADA for short. It fears the new, bigger public media entity might not commission programmes from its producers in the way that the government broadcasting funding agency New Zealand On Air does now. Now, the Minister Willie Jackson was due to speak at the SPADA annual conference last week, but he pulled out because Parliament was operating under urgency last week. But the new public media entity was discussed at the event, with executives from RNZ and TVNZ in a discussion run by SPADA President Irene Gardner. Now, she's a former head of commissioning at TVNZ and currently a board member at RNZ. So this week I asked her if a new public media entity has more money for what the screen producers make, What's the problem? Some of our members think it's great that the TVNZ bit of the new entity, that the new entity will have a public media mandate. Some of our members would prefer it to say the way it is now. And likewise, the other piece of the equation, which is the NZ on Air funding going directly over to the new entity, some think that's a good idea, it might streamline some things. Others would prefer it to stay the way it is now. However, the thing we are all absolutely united on is that the new entity be funded adequately to realise its aims. The other thing that producers are concerned about is just the thing of uh, behaviour of the new entity, that the terms of trade won't change dramatically, that commissioning policy won't dramatically change, that there won't be a sudden pulling in of lots of uh, production internally rather than you know with uh, external producers. So, yeah, that have been our main concerns that we've campaigned on. But we've kind of given it the benefit of the doubt. We've kind of gone, you know, if this goes well, it could be great. All along, the people involved in this process have actually said the status quo isn't an option, you know, to have like a tiny or relatively small RNZ as a dedicated public broadcaster and a state-owned TV commercial company, you know, with probably a declining ageing audience as, as viewing habits shift. Do you believe, as someone with a lot of experience in the industry, that the status quo is literally not an option? Because, as you mentioned there, some of your members do want it, things to stay as they are. Yeah, I think they couldn't stay absolutely as they are because there is going to have to be some sort of a solution to what will happen with, uh, you know, linear TV, the, 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 the network part of network television part of TVNZ as um, as we progress more down the streamers route. So, yeah, you no, know, I think that is true that the status quo would not really be an option. There might have been some other ways to skin the cat. This is quite a bold way of doing it. You know, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime change to broadcasting policy. Just make sure you get it right. Well, I can understand why your members at Sparta, the screen producers, are concerned because for 30 years or so, you know, they've had the system whereby, you know, they can get public funds with, you know, from a contestable process suggesting a programme. A big broadcaster wants to screen it on television. It gets funded. Uh, but with the new public media what entity, what's the difference? Some of this money won't go to New Zealand on air. It'll go to the entity. But there could be even more money. So why aren't programme makers uh, more excited about this? Yeah, that's a good question. It took us a little while to get the reassurance from the minister and the ministry that there was, in fact, going to be you know, more money than there currently is now. And so there was this very uncertain period when the NZ on Air initiative was announced. I think after our presentation at the Sparta conference... I think 
uh, the feeling I got was that people sort of understood things a little better and why it was happening. So, yeah, I, I kind of get the feeling people are starting to feel more positive about it. I think there is some anxiety about NZ On Air because NZ On Air has been a good operator for a long time and that contestable funding model, while unusual, in fact, probably unique to New Zealand, uh, is has always worked really well. And so I think there is that fear of, okay, so there's going to be money over there in the public media entity and they will hopefully be doing all kinds of interesting local content. But is there now enough to keep interesting public media content happening across the other platforms? Well, you say the system works well via New Zealand On Air. And I guess it works well for screen producers in a sense. It's given them a, a reliable stream of of money or at least access to it. Uh, and some companies have become pretty big, you know, even be sold offshore. You know, a lot of operations, of course, are not nowhere near as big, but people are able to make a living. But it's given us a lot of local content. But, you know, in other countries, you know, money goes to a bigger public broadcast like the ABC in Australia or um, BBC in the UK. Has it come at a cost, really, of us not having strong public broadcasting and you know now the government is actually trying to give us as New Zealanders something that's closer to ABC Yeah I do and and look I there would be people who would argue that one way and the other way you know in, in amongst our members I, you know, oddly for someone who, as you say, does have a few hats across this, I don't actually have a strong feeling about it um, I definitely think what they're doing could work better uh, than what we've currently had but as with everything in life, so much is in implementation. Does your Sparta role actually make that difficult? Because the certainty of funding for public media, does that kind of come at a cost to the sort of discretionary or contestable funding that supports uh, screen production and production companies? I mean, obviously I have some things I have to manage being involved with both the RNZ board and Sparta. But, yeah, I can usually kind of manage those. I mean, there's certain things, you know, you just can't share information across. And in a way, I kind of just keep my own personal views out of it. And I, you know, when I'm wearing my spider hat, I'm kind of thinking about my members and what they believe. And when I'm wearing my RNZ hat, I'm kind of thinking, you know, what RNZ's position is. So you sort of just balance it. It can be a little tricky at times. But, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, in New Zealand, it kind of happens that you're on different things. In a weird sort of a way, RNZ's aim and Sparta's is quite similar and that RNZ is, you know, loosely in support of the move, but with the proviso, you know, that it be done well and that nothing affect, you know, the taonga that is RNZ. And, you know, wearing my Sparta hat, it's we're kind of similar. You know, we're sort of loosely supportive. We're certainly supportive of strengthening public media, which is the original goal. Uh, but, yeah, with that proviso of, you know, do it well, don't mess it up, you know, a lot at stake here. So I kind of, I guess because they're reasonably aligned, I've sort of been able to do it. But, yeah, I do have to um, do the dance occasionally. When uh, the Select Committee at Parliament held hearings into the Aotearoa New Zealand Public Media legislation. Um, you said on behalf of, of Sparta that the anxiety was that no one was saying how much would be ring-fenced for local production. Uh, you said, is it the same as what it is now? Uh, is it more because there'll be more public media outcomes to realise? You know, If it's less, why are we doing this? But if they decide there are things that are more important than you know, big budget local dramas or so on, isn't that just something that you, your members would have to adapt to? I think that's a fair argument. I mean, in the end, this is actually about New Zealanders who pay tax and what they get in return for that. And But I don't actually see the two things as separate because 
the content that will be being made for the new entity might be a slightly different type of content in some cases, but it will still be made being made by producers and production companies. Um, so I don't think it will, as long as there's, you know, not a sudden reduction in potential funding, um, I would say that our producers will be fine. Yeah, the BBC, for example, is, uh, uh, I think, something in the order of a quarter of BBC's productions are actually mandated to be commissioned from uh, independent outside commercial production companies so that that industry can be sustained. Is that possibly a solution down the track if Aotearoa New Zealand Public Media is set up uh, and you know more of the production funding is coming from that source rather than through New Zealand on air and the contestable system that we have now? That would be interesting and probably good, I think. I, that That was actually kind of what we were submitting on to the Select Committee. There isn't anything at the moment that really enshrines it in the draft legislation or the charter. Interestingly, there is in the business paper, but it hasn't carried through. There's only a clause about interacting with the media generally, which we take to be more about uh, other platforms and competitors. In fact, some of the international models of mixed model public media entities, you know, that is part of their mandate almost, is to help develop a strong and healthy local production sector. Because, you know, it's, it's in a country's interest to get that stronger and stronger, especially in the age of shows selling around the world and co-productions and all of that. Do you have concerns that at the moment uh, all we have is, um, as things stand, this government um, with a three-year allocation that was made in, in, in budget uh, 2022, uh, stretching out for the next three years $109 million of operational funds per year, and after that no certainty at all, and if there's a change of government, uh, even that may not be forthcoming. Does that worry you? Yes, it does. It does worry us a lot, and that's one of the things, you know, it, it has been kind of worrying to hear the opposition say they would turn it around because I don't think you can do something as big as this in July and then turn it around in November. You know, whatever they may think of it, that, that would be extremely disruptive and difficult. So I'm hoping that that, you know, that common sense would prevail in that respect. Back in, I think, 2018, you were appointed to a body the former minister, Claire Curran, set up with the goal of trying to find a way of of having uh, and setting funding such that it would be at arm's length from government and actually give, you know, the industry and the public uh, sector uh, in broadcasting greater certainty. I mean, that didn't come to much because, you know, the minister changed, the plan changed. But um, at that time, you know, were you kind of heartened that at least this government seemed to be thinking that we need to set up something uh, that would last, you know, beyond, um, you know, one term of government or or one uh, policy set by one party? Yes, I was. And I would say, you know, our Sparta members were too. And and that's the thing to um, add into this conversation is, you know, while we have had anxieties about ANZPM and how it might happen and, you know, any downsides that there might be and funding and all of that, you know, at least we do have a government who does actually care about the screen industry and the broadcasting industry and is trying to do the right thing by us and... Um, you know, is actually thinking, well, what might work here? What might improve things? So, you know, that's a positive thing. You, you would have seen, say, in the past, we had the TVNZ Charter, another Labour-led government uh, intervention that, that didn't survive very long and, and, and the change of government reversed it. 
We had the TVNZ channels. There was limited funding for that, and it only lasted five years. Do you worry that with only three years committed by the current government that this this could end up being another you know, short-term intervention by a Labour-led government? I think it's probably everybody's concern, and I think it's a legitimate concern. I mean, this is a more complex change, and I think it would be harder to reverse. I guess the bigger danger is, as you say, the funding, and I don't know how you enshrine that into the future. I guess what you know, what I might have hoped, what we might all have hoped, was that there would perhaps, for something as big a change to broadcasting as this, that there might be more of a cross-party buy-in. Uh, I haven't seen that happen, unfortunately. But taking away the politics and whatever any government might want to do or even any programme maker might want to do, uh, what determines this in the end is, I guess, what people do with their time and the choices they make. So in the future, uh, viewing habits are changing, and we've just seen another... Uh, slice of that, uh, where the audience report uh, for New Zealand on air, this one focusing on uh, the habits of under-25s. Duncan Grieve writing about that for uh, the spin-off says, this is his words, what that says is this expensive business of making professionally produced TV shows is losing to the chaos and the pace of user-generated content for global social media platforms. Do you think he's right about that? I mean, obviously, Duncan comes from the perspective of a new, smaller, modern platform. And I think that slightly influences where he comes from. But he's not mm. wrong. Uh, I mean, we are, you know, we do have to change the way we're doing things, and we are. But it, it, it's not like linear TV is going to disappear entirely, you know, like tomorrow. And, you know, obviously, we have older viewers as well as younger ones. And also... You know, we going back to what I was saying before about we're starting to make content for the world. Uh, so we've actually got New Zealand dramas and comedies, etc., ending up on international platforms. You know, Acorn, Hulu, whatever. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to be reduced to only making you know things for TikTok. It's it's, it's sort of a spectrum. And I guess the interesting thing in that ends it on air report. While in some ways it's quite grim reading, it, it, it does confirm what we all knew, which is that it's, you know, it's incredibly tough getting young people onto traditional viewing platforms. But the interesting thing about it was that when you showed them New Zealand content, they really liked it, mm. but they're not finding it or watching it. So that's a kind of a weird challenge for us all. What would you say is the balance of opinion uh, or the feeling amongst your members? Um, because... There's a lot of doubt being cast on this project, um, as we mentioned, political opposition, not really in favour. Um, do your members think this is actually happening and are planning accordingly, uh, or do they perhaps think or hope, maybe, uh, that uh, you know this in the end will not happen and the status quo will uh, will continue? Generally, we all believe that you know it is going to happen, uh, and I think people. I think a lot of people feel quite positive about it, about the public media thing. I think people have slightly missed that we haven't had that in New Zealand. Uh, you know, we haven't had an ABC or a BBC. Um, so, yeah, I think there is positivity, but I think there's also nervousness. So I think it's kind of just a balance. I do think that people did feel a bit better after we had the session where we had um, a couple of TVNZ folk and a couple of RNZ folk, and it was, you know, it just it just let people explain a little bit more about, you know, why and, and what, uh, which... I think there's been an issue with this because because people like Tracy Martin, who's been leading the process, plus the minister, they've been a little bit hamstrung because 
they can't really talk intricately about creative matters. And, you know, that ultimately will be for the new chair, board, chief executive and management team. And so in that absence, it's sort of, there's been a little bit of a vacuum. And I think that always creates a little bit of uncertainty. Um, whereas, you know, when you hear someone and, and, um, Stephen Smith did it uh, from RNZ, did it at, at conference, but I've also heard Paul Thompson, RNZ CEO, do it. You know, actually explain why public media is a great thing um, for a country and, and, you know, what it's all about. But I think people do sort of get it and they kind of go, oh, yeah, that sounds good. But, so, but is there a sort of bottom line concern for production companies that, you know, currently they're dealing with um, uh, with commercial broadcasters like, Three uh, Discovery and uh, TVNZ, and if uh, more of the commissioning money, the New Zealand money, now goes via this new public media entity, that because it's going to be public media focused and not commercially driven, that you know the sums that they're prepared to spend on commissioning things won't be as large. That uh, you know individual projects will be not so uh, big ticket and big budget. Well, we've been assured that that won't be the case, and you know as I say, with the bigger budget items like drama, for example, you know, we are moving into that what mo- the world now of, you know, more multiple pathways to get funding. So you might be getting funding from ANZPM and the Screen Production Grant. You know, you might be getting funding from both of those and an international partner or two. So I guess it's that thing of trying to make the money go further, you know. I mean, you know, I'm conscious of the fact that we're talking about, um, you know, taxpayer money here and that's you know when it's going to public good content that's great but you know we are also an industry that is you know it's content focused but it's also a business you know and and we are a contributor to New Zealand's economy so I kind of when we talk about funding I always you know worry that people can oh all they do is you know get money off people but you know it, it is kind of more of an investment and an incentive than um you know, just kind of like, you know, basic funding and nothing coming back in return. But in a way, what's been the hardest thing is that over this past year, we've actually been dealing with three different pieces of government legislation. This one, the review of the SPAG, the Screen Production Grant, and the Screen Industry Workers Act. And so when you have three big things like that, it does cause quite a level of uncertainty. So I think that's been quite hard, just trying to keep everybody kind of calm and work through the processes. And actually, to be fair, the greater anxiety, I think, at the moment is around this big review because that's at the stage where it's an options paper and, you know, nothing is certain. And and certainty is quite important when you're trying to attract um, overseas partners into productions. That was the president of the Screen Producers and Development Association, Irene Gardner, who's also a former commissioning head at TVNZ and currently a board member at RNZ.